So I hope it's okay, Tom. I'm going to forego a monologue, and we're just going to jump right into the conversation. Jump right in. Yeah, so I'm here with the one and only Captain Library. I hope I didn't give away your superhero alter ego there. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Had to throw something out to get you to laugh. <laughs> you got me. Um, <laughs> So would you? Uh, so I know it's based on your. It's based on the school, but I like the fact that you are. I like that superhero persona because it's important. Learning the library, all those things are important to me. How do you feel about all that teaching kids? You feel like a superhero at times. Um, listen, I've I was raised to. Uh, I was raised with a, a lot of self doubt. So no, I don't necessarily <laughs> feel like a superhero. <laughs> me too. I walk out every day and I'm like, what did I do wrong? Where yeah. could I get a little better? Yeah. Um, but. I do have I do have moments where I I feel like oh I made a really uh-huh. nice impact there today I really helped that student today or that teacher today and those things feel good those things help me keep going um, yeah I, I love I love what I do twenty I just finished twenty three years twenty man congrats yeah so what do you retire at thirty is that how it works I got six or seven more in me all right yeah <laughs> you know like I love it I love it when I, I I make a difference in their lives, but I'm only doing it for another seven years. You know what? I've had it's a lot of work. I've had I've had uh, I've had uh, I told you this. I've had family members who have you know passed earlier than they should have, and yeah. and I want to go do other things. And absolutely, not that I won't be involved in other ways uh, in education, but the the day to day for nine ten months out of the year, I'm gonna let someone else do that. And you know what? When I decide to go. Uh, somebody's going to come in with some fresh ideas and some new blood, and it's going to be the best thing for that for that building and for those kids. So I, I know it'll all work out for the oh, best. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of other things, tell me about this book that you're writing. Oh, I just finished it a couple of, ah. oh, like a week ago. So thank goodness I'm not writing anything right now because I wouldn't even be with you. I'd be frantically tapping away on a keyboard and getting gray hairs. Okay, so that's what was happening when uh, I was driving to interview Steve Barry, and you're like, Dude, I can't talk right now. But anything important? Like, no, that's how to talk to you later. So, I was, so you were working on this. I had no idea this book existed. Final push. Final push. Nice. Right. Yeah. So this is. Um, I was approached a little over a year ago. Um, I had written one book before for teachers, and this is another book for teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and my editor for the first book had read something else that I had written for a, a blog about news literacy. Uh, kids gaining news literacy, how mm-hmm. to teach news literacy. And uh, there was another book that the publisher had put out for high school kids, high school, upper, middle school. And she said, I wonder if there's a book in there for like elementary, upper elementary into middle school. Like, do you think there's something there? And I hadn't even thought about it. So I said, well, give me a little bit of time. Let me figure out if there's an angle here that I can take, uh, that if I have something to say, because I had not written more than a thousand words and they're asking me to write 50,000 words. So I've got to figure out whether I've got that in me. Yeah, I don't know if I've written 50,000 words in my whole <laughs> you life. You have, you have. <laughs> um, but uh, I took about a month and figured out, okay, what's my angle? What's important to say here? Uh, listened to a lot of kids, asked some questions, uh, visited the middle school, um, just kind of got a feel for where things were and I already had a feel for where I thought they should be. So that I wrote up a proposal they accepted and uh, probably maybe about six months from now or so we'll see it in print. Uh, we've got some edits to go through I'm sure and some uh, and uh, 
a cover build and all that kind of stuff. But they they named it Building News Literacy, Lessons for Teaching Critical Thinking Skills in Elementary and Middle School. It'll be on it'll be it won't be on your shelves. You'll be able to order it online. If you're a if you uh, are an educator, it might be on some shelves at some conferences. That's a to. long title. It's a long well, title and subtitle, so it's, yeah, it's got yeah. a little bit of There's length. There's a lot to of it. keywords in there too. Oh, they build it. They, yeah. So I so my 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 working title was something about is it true? Because I always have kids ask me when we talk about news, they they don't know if it's true or not. They would like that's a first question, but they always go to the teacher for that, right? They don't ask they don't ask themselves that. They ask the teacher that, and. Uh, then I had something in there about building healthy skepticism or something like that, because I think that's something we're lacking. But that was my working title, something around that. I, I can't remember that. exactly what it was, but I turned it in to the editor with the whole proposal. Uh-huh. And she said, she said, I love this book proposal, but I hate this title. <laughs> and I said, I know you can't. This title's horrible, but uh, I'm pretty bad at titles. Yeah. And uh, when I even when I write, um, I do a lot, a lot of blogging. And when I do my blog posts and stuff, I, I'm horrible with titles. So yeah, I, yeah. I rely on other people for for that sometimes. And, and I said, you just send it out to your team and see what they're yeah. thinking. And and they came up with with that. But it's all for Google searching or, oh, or, sure. am, or Amazon searching, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. you go on Amazon searching, what's out there for news literacy? Yeah. Hopefully this book pops cool. up into the mix. Cool. Yeah. Titles are always something I would start with a working title and I think go through three or four titles on a project till I found the one I loved. Yes. And which it's kind of cool. So it's just like you start working in one way and then by the time it ends, it's a completely different project. So all my notes are, are different you know, one folder I eventually rename, but I have all kinds of different titles and whatnot that, uh, as it evolves. Do you keep your old titles? Uh, I mean, I keep them on the documents because I always duplicate the documents I and, and work on new ones. Um, that's just a good way um, to avoid, you know, if I lose something, at least I have a previous draft and I just don't take the time to retitle anything. I just do everything in... Um like Google Docs, so uh, I hope yeah. that if, but I just delete, just delete, oh, sure. and, and hope that if if it's great, I'll go back to some earlier revision yeah. and pick it back up. It's but, a mix, some a lot of Google Docs these days, yeah. but uh, still some Word and things on on the yeah. regular computer. It just depends yep. where I'm at, where I'm working. But uh, yeah, uh, news literacy or media literacy, I mean, it's now more important than ever with social media. Yeah, and uh, it's hard to tell. It's really confusing to know who's saying the right thing, what source, what outlet. I mean, there's a lot to know. And I think it's so cool that you're writing this book and starting kids at a younger level. Because I know people that are adults that just don't even know what's true. Or we, Yeah, we've crazy. all, I think we've all, I shouldn't say we all, a lot of us, myself included, has accidentally shared something that maybe was either oh, me too, yeah. not from yeah. a great source or... It was like, oh, this article was written 12 months ago. And, mm-hmm. you know, it looks like maybe something that could have been written today. So you end up sharing it back out. Yeah, that's pretty common. I see a lot of that. Um, I try to source different articles. Yeah. Or if I look and go, oh, this this looks off and see, I'll do a Google search. Yes. And if there's seven, eight, nine different media outlets, ones I recognize. Yes. Then I'll okay, there, there has to be something to this. There has to be some validity. Yes. Or if it's somebody like The Guardian, or I'll do searches as well and see where they're ranked at a certain time for truthfulness and whatnot. It's, it's tough. Ken, you don't it's, even need this book because this is one of the big yeah. lessons is like pausing, <laughs> yeah. especially when the way I describe it is it, if you're having an emotional reaction, either positive or negative, yeah, yeah. 
Like that's probably a good clue that you need to stop just for a second and do exactly <laughs> what you did and go out there and search the the uh, interwebs a little bit yeah, yeah. and see what else is out there, right? Just jump on Google and see what, what the other uh, news institutions are, are reporting. And uh, yeah, I think that that, that, that pausing moment and, and not just, not just sharing it right away. Cause I, I think that's the big thing with social media now is we've got what I describe as, and this, I don't know if this is nobody else's term as far as I know. I mean, we've got news sources, right? So we've mm-hmm. got like all the major news sources. We've got local news sources. We've got um, uh, online print, you know, everything. But then what I describe us as is news messengers because we're essentially sharing that news over social media with our friends, with our family members. And part of what someone thinks when they see that news posted in a social media thread has something to do with the headline probably probably has something to do with the institution that put it out there but it also has something to do with the person that shared it so if ken is always sharing these great articles that he's just like spot on then no matter what ken shares from then on it's probably has like this elevated Mm -hmm. uh believability for me because Ken, for me, is known to be sharing great articles. I've had a few compliments in the past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and and if somebody's always sharing something that you've got a question and and kind of crowdsource for them because they haven't done it themselves, then whenever you see that person's article, they're probably met with a bit of skepticism from you. So this it's there's this other layer of news messenger going on that um, I think we all need to be aware of and i think a lot of us are but the question is how do we get to that point and how can we take these young kids many of whom are just starting to get on social media by middle school they're just starting to get those first social media accounts even though legally they're not supposed to have them until 13 years old oh 13 the age 13 is the age but a lot of parents let their students sign up for things earlier than than what's allowed and i'm not going to question that certain apps yeah but uh Social media, though. And if, new, and if news is shared over those things, I mean, my my daughters who are, are over 13, but they're, you know, the big thing now is they love to watch TikTok videos and I mean, there's news shared on TikTok. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's not just the Facebook posts or the Twitter feeds or that type of thing. You just wonder at that age, I mean, somebody that you look at middle school, when we went to middle school, it was, I mean, that was tough. And so now with social media, people have no restraint. They throw anything out there. Adults who should know better. So I just wonder how it is with a 13-year-old kid. Yeah, I think there's... But you know what? Even back when we were in middle school, we were, in a, in a sense, news messengers. We just didn't have the power that kids do today because we would talk... If something was on the news, we would talk about it sure. if it was of interest yeah, to us, yeah. right? I'm not talking necessarily about the big... Um, you know, the, the political stuff or whatever, because yeah. a lot of kids, there are some kids who are very engaged in that. There's others who, who aren't, and there's a lot of kids in the middle. But I mean, if we're talking about the newest Marvel movie coming out and the rumors that are coming out around it or, or what have you, that's news, right? You know, if it's if it's of the moment. Yeah, the water uh, cooler talk yeah, yeah, is now yeah. on, on the computer. Yeah, so that yeah. that's all that's all, uh, that's all all out there. But it was too, back in the day when you and I were in middle school, we were talking about that stuff too. But we were talking about it you know, there mm-hmm. might have been a small group of us chatting about yeah, it, and yeah. that was it. Now somebody throws it out, and they've got three hundred friends, and it just has this wider dispersal. So we need to be um, a little more savvy with what we're sharing, and we need to be more savvy with what we're what we're taking in. Absolutely. 
So looking at, I, I mean, when's a good time for when we look at the news? I mean, because some of the news can be pretty harsh. Yeah. Uh, what's a good time? Because I think about that with sharing things or li- even listening to NPR in the car when I have my niece and nephew. Yeah. So my nephew's 14 now, my niece is 10. So you have that. You That's know, that, a range. That four years is a big range. Yeah. And so looking at that, I mean, what's a good, and at times I've, you know, maybe shown the wrong thing. Like I wanted them on MLK. I was like, okay, we should watch Selma. And I hadn't watched it before. Oh, yeah. And it was like they were freaked out. Yeah. And I rightfully so, because it was, you know, it was a lot more violent than I expected it to be. So, so remember, there, there was my fail, as, as my uncle fail. But I think you, I think you did. I mean, you said something, though, as you're reflecting back on it, is you hadn't quite previewed it yet, right? You didn't yeah, know what, yeah. what was out there. And I think the same with, with news that we know or we have an idea is going to be a little more um, potentially traumatic. Yeah. Uh, I think adults have a responsibility to 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 do that. I remember, I'll tell you a failing of mine as a teacher uh, is when uh, September 11th happened and drove into work and heard about it as I was driving in and right away thinking, oh my goodness, like this is a moment in history. Our kids, I was teaching fifth grade at the time, our kids need to know about this. And turned it on now thank goodness the kids did not see anything traumatic but if i would have had it on the a a certain channel maybe or at a different time they could have seen some pretty traumatic stuff and um i i would you know that that wouldn't have been good uh so so that that there's that idea of of um kind of knowing what you're introducing them to but like i was saying earlier there's also going to be news that they're interested in so if uh your niece and nephew are really into sports sports news right that's a lot of a lot of great stuff that not so many sports going on right now but a lot of great stuff that you can show them so yeah a lot of news about sports not happening this is true yeah that's making the news and what that looks like and why why that's happening the way it's happening yeah um i think that part of what what we do as adults or what we have a responsibility as adults whether we're a parent or an uncle or or a teacher is um knowing what type of news we're putting in front of students. And the other thing is helping them process that news. So how do I look at this news and make sense out of it? Um, Because it's not just figuring out what the news is saying, it's figuring out how I'm reacting to it as well. Both of those things go together. Like I'm a player in this Mm -hmm. as a news consumer. At whether I'm 10 or I'm 14 or whatever mm-hmm. age, yeah, uh, that that plays a part. And so, giving kids um, mechanisms, strategies to analyze the news, and but also to to kind of get an idea of where they're coming from, what are they bringing to the table um, when they're when they're listening to this or watching it or whatever, however they're consuming it. Interesting. Yeah, we watched um, my nephew and I watched the new Spike Lee movie. Yeah couple weeks ago when that came out and that's one thing they use different news clips just to show what was going on in the era of the vietnam war and my nephew just not being news savvy yet he looked and he was like thought it was a recreation or something that was just in the movie and he asked is this real and they had like some you know some of the horrid images from that that day you know the monk that lit himself on fire the um uh, the guy that that killed himself, like in the middle of the street, yeah. the you know all these other images, and he's like, "Whoa, what's going on there?" So of course we were able to talk about it, and it you know worked out well. I think he's at that age 
where it's like, whoa, what am I seeing? But he's understanding a little more about it. So it's a little less horrific. And that might not be something you put in front of your your 10-year-old niece, right? Because yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's very different. And that's, you know, I was just- Absolutely I do, not. I do another piece. Are you okay if I talk about another piece of writing? Oh, absolutely. So I do this other piece of writing on a monthly basis for, for educators where I take a picture book, historically based, and I pair it with primary sources. Mm-hmm. So like in, information from the day. Well, I just wrote one you reminded me of. Uh, about the there was a there's a book called Let the Children March and it's about the 1963 Birmingham campaign where the children were marching nice. in Birmingham yeah and if you it, usually when you talk to people about that the thing they think of are these kids marching you think of these these police dogs attacking mm-hmm. kids fire hoses all this kind of thing and and you know you talk about traumatic like kids that might not be the best thing for for kids to see um, it, it it may really throw them so the question was for me. Uh, if I'm gonna you, if I'm gonna pair anything with this book, it's probably not gonna be news clips like that. What's it gonna be? And uh, I found these great, um, it's like two or three episodes uh, that was done for public uh, broadcasting, right? Just immediately afterwards, where they were interviewing the kids and interviewing the parents and interviewing uh, like pastors who were helping organize all of this. And the approach was, well, let's take a look at it from the angle of of the these kids and and the people who were supporting them, as opposed to look at all the stuff that happened to them and and you know may and look at them as victims. Let's look at them as um, them being empowered in a sense to to stand up for something that they thought was right. Uh, and I and and to go to feed it back to then the the kind of talk around news that a lot of news is is perspective. Uh, you look at kind of what what people are or what organizations that are putting out the news, what are they uh, reporting on and what are they saying about it? Uh, I see some people on social media sometimes say, oh, th- these news organizations are lying and they're what have you. They're usually not lying. Um, usually what it, 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 at worst, they're lying by omission. You know, they're, they're, they may not be reporting on something or they may be reporting it and commenting on it in a different way than maybe something that that I agree with as the news watcher um but but that gets into this idea of starting to filter as we're watching news on the fly mm-hmm. filtering through the facts and the opinions that get reported out um by by news organizations and that happens all the time whether you're talking about um kind of the hard hitting news or whether you're talking about the soft news that's like the you know kind of um you know the newest movies or stuff like mm-hmm. that it's kind of interesting when we have only really six major corporations that own most of the media yeah and just we know different corporate cultures and uh you know just how that organization is set up i think kind of skews that perspective a little bit we don't get too much, I mean, with this particular book at that age, we don't get too much into that, although we do get into this idea of who maybe was this made for, oh, like absolutely. maybe this wasn't for me and my That's perspective yeah. that I'm coming from, yeah. um, and what are other people with different opinions than me going to think about this piece of news, uh, but but this idea that news is is made, and, and you know what, you say something interesting, I mean, you're talking about this idea that it's, you know, there's six organizations out there, so you've got these, you know, kind of a limited number of perspectives, right? Yeah, for the mainstream. So yeah, ma- the, yeah the, the main, the main yeah. stuff coming out there. Um, but but the other thing that I think goes along with that is is that um, news in general, and and I think it's kind of whether it's it's the mainstream stuff or or, or the some of the other stuff that's out there, um, it's it's a money maker, and that's and I think that's something that that 
Absolutely. It, it doesn't mean that that they're not again, it doesn't mean that it's not truthful that's that the information they're reporting. Um, but it certainly is meant to get viewers and to get people watching or listening or reading or whatever, however yeah. it's put out there. And then advertisers. A- so, and to yeah. get advertisers, yeah. right. Like that all comes together. And that's why when you that's why I think it can get very confusing when it gets into the more hard hitting news. Um, when you talk about uh, when you have people reporting uh, in in one hour of the news segment, kind of more of what what we might look at as a traditional news, and then you get into it like the next hour, and all of a sudden it's kind of more news entertainment in a sense, right? You know, and and so it's it, it but it's on the same channel, and it's all advertised together, and both of these people who are who are talking to me on my TV have the you know are posted right next to each other on the advertisements um but but you get that mix and i think because of that uh because of these are businesses you you get that kind of going on but i think you get the mm-hmm. same stuff going on in the smaller stuff too oh definitely yeah there's always bias but one thing you had uh and i don't know where the note is it was oh uh, the difference between news and news commentary mm-hmm. and i think it's what interesting if one goes and listens to like the bbc news yeah Versus something that's Fox or CNN where you have these personalities. Yeah. It's just so amazing. I mean, BBC is just simply, I mean, just dry the facts. You know, this happened. The water main broke on, you know, the street of, you know, on Main Street and water was bad and the people had to boil. You yeah. know, that's essentially in yeah. America, you know, President Trump did this and blah, blah, blah. And he spoke and there were protesters. And so you so you have that. And then, of course, you have the commentary, which is more entertaining, of course. Yeah. But a lot of it, you know, sometimes that it, it's hard to tell what's facts and opinion. It all gets intertwined. Yeah. yeah. And that's why uh, that's why, you know, working with kids at a young age is important. But you're 100 percent right. I think that maybe one of the closer examples we get in the United States is if you listen to that NPR at the top of the hour oh, piece, yeah, yeah. you know, that's that's fairly factually, you know, driven. Mm-hmm. Um, any of these things, though, the other the other flip to that coin that anyone can make if they're if they're like, oh, I don't like that because whatever reason they're still making choices about if, if you've got a five minute news segment, what are we reporting on in those five minutes? Right. But you're right that that there are certainly more fact based. Um, and it's all fact based. I'd say per, when you break down the percentage almost entirely facts within a news reporting. And then you, you almost have this other end of the stream where I'd say it's like 30, 40% news. And then a lot of commentary on around it. It's almost storytelling. I mean, they're doing narrative and they're doing all kinds. It's, it's great. It's entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, especially if it's what you want to hear anyway. Uh, it's wonderful in that sense, but it doesn't inform you about the actual news of the moment as much as something that's more straightforward. A lot of what I deal with outside of, you know, working on work, the work on this book, as I mentioned with this other piece before, but I do this with a lot of other stuff, is working with historical documents. And a lot of what I work with is historical newspapers. And specifically, like my favorite chunk of time to be playing around in, in historical newspapers is like late 19th to early to mid 20th century. Like that is just the stuff they reported on was crazy. Um, sometimes there's it's much more scandalous than we realize that it probably was at the moment. But it's like the the small town scandal, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, I remember I was digging through the Post Dispatch databases at one point, looking for um, some information. I think around the World's Fair. I could be a little the 1904 World's Fair. 
Uh, it might have been something else, but I think that's what it was. And I was just going through front pages because I'm like, surely it's going to be on the front page, right? And like right on the front page of this one paper from those weeks that I was sp- scanning through was this story about um, a guy who had been found dead in his apartment, like half eaten by rats. And it's like in vivid detail and all this, you know, this finger was gone and everything else. And you're thinking, man, I wouldn't, number one, me as an educator, I'm thinking I've got to be really careful what newspapers I put in front of my kids. Cause this is a little, mm-hmm. you know, too much. Um, but the, uh, but it's so um, in some ways, raw more raw than what we see on the news today but it's also so much more like just to the point like you said yeah uh, that news is so to the point and 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 very very little if any commentary that it almost in some ways has can have a story like that and they can almost make it sound boring because they're so straightforward with you so that's where i see that big sh- there's been a shift over the decades of that um now to much more commentary, even within straight news, even when we're in the United States, as you mentioned, when you're watching straight news, um, the, there's a, there's more commentary, especially on the national level, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'll see a lot more. Well, once CNN kicked in or cable, once cable kicked in yeah. in what, the early 80s, 80s. late 70s, mm-hmm. it was, you know, that 24-hour news cycle, you had to fill time. Yep. So you only have so much news. So what's, you know, this broadcaster's opinion of that news? And now we're just so inundated with it. It's just, yeah, almost with YouTube, it's, you know, everybody can put out that opinion. And, you know, and sometimes it's good. I don't call that news, though, when other people, like when it's not institutions putting that out. And like I would agree with you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, there has to be, there has to be a, like a, I call it in the book, I, I think I describe it as a publishing. Yeah. Um, you could start to split hairs and say, well, anybody can have a YouTube channel and that sort. And and you're right about that. But there, I, I, I like to draw a line um, I, I would describe those people as more news messengers because they're usually not, um, from what I've, from what I see, they're not necessarily out there um, gathering the news mm-hmm. as much as they're kind of curating all in one place. And maybe they're doing, they might be doing interviewing some people as well, maybe interviewing an expert uh, or something in that sense as well. That might be part of it. Um, but I, I, I kind of, when I'm delineating and trying to make that description, because I think if you don't, it gets so muddy. Oh, yeah. Uh, Because if you don't draw that line somewhere in that general vicinity, then um, my then the 10 year old niece can be uh, a news broadcaster at 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And you might say, hey, that's wonderful. She's going to be empowered. But then when we talk about news literacy and and those types of things, it gets it gets really tricky. Well, there's certain levels. And I think where education comes in or some sort of certification. Yeah. Like anything, if you go to a doctor, you don't want that person, you know. Hey, I, you know, I'm a healthy person. I eat well. I read this. You know, I can give some suggestions of articles that I've curated. Yeah. But by no means should anybody come to Ken Calcaterra for their medical needs. I mean, I have my story. You know, I have different stories, my experiences. But take those experiences and then talk to somebody that has more information and, you know, know, put put that information together, multiple sources. Yeah. So you might be pointing someone to news sources, right? And they, or you might inspire someone to go dig deeper into these news topic. Um, exactly. But I, I would, my opinion, uh, for what it's worth is that that's the, that that's kind of the, the more the news messenger playing that news messenger Mm -hmm. role, almost on steroids in a sense, uh, to talk health. 
but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it's kind of more that messenger role. Yeah, and we look at that, and that's it's one thing um, that I taught a you know few semesters of narrative journalism, so yeah. investigative, more deeper stories that were they really the writer really gets into like the heart and soul of the subject. And with that, I find one can learn a lot. It's just human nature. Um, you learn a lot about a subject because it's digging deep. Yeah. And these writers may spend two or three months on an article. And the one thing that in contrast with the current, uh, you know, headlines, we see a lot of headlines. So at times I go, oh, okay, you know, this, this is a good headline. I'm going to read this article and learn something and what's funny is sometimes even in the headline, it says, uh, uh, what's a good example? Uh, so I like Sammy Hagar. It's like Sammy Hagar talks about blah, blah, blah. And essentially they read a tweet or an Instagram and, and that is essentially their article. And yes. it says nothing. <laughs> you don't learn anything about right, it. And right. it's a headline that just talks about, and the, the body of the article is a sentence. Yeah. And it's just like, The actual core of it. Oh and you've got to read down that? with three paragraphs of fluff before you actually get to that, where they give you the background of Sammy Hagar and everything yeah. he's ever done or, before you actually get to the core. Or at times they just put the tweet, or they have one <laughs> sentence, and maybe because everybody's in such a hurry. I love when they explain the tweet, and then they embed the tweet in the article yeah, yeah. at the same time. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> a lot of times you think you're going to read something, and, and then with media literacy a lot of times i know that's what it's going to be you know certain sites yeah. so so i expect that but part of me is like oh yeah this is kind of lame so you know? one thing so this whole book now i shouldn't say the whole book there but a big chunk of the book is made up of actual lessons that teachers can adapt to to kind of work with with their students and kind of put their own content in around and my whole thing is based in historical news because if i did news of the day then when this book comes out, that would be old news. And if somebody bought it a year later, it'd be old news. So it's all based on historical news, uh, which a lot of historical topics get taught in oh, yeah. elementary and middle school. So it, it's, it kind of works. And then you can, and then I've got a piece in there where you can say, okay, well, here's the, what you might consider also when you're talking about news, current news. So mm -hmm. we're talking a lot about social media, those yeah. types of things. But one element of it is, um, is this idea of the headline, like like going beyond the headline. So how many people, I don't know if you've ever done this, I know I have, like read the headline uh, and it, like on social media somewhere and you're like, oh my gosh, that's the best idea I've ever heard. And you just like reshare it right away mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. without ever digging into the article. Um, so this idea of going beyond the headline, not only deeper into the article, but also something you mentioned earlier, which is getting outside of the article. So important. Getting outside. This is the biggest thing I think anybody can do is get outside of the article and go search and see what other institutions are saying about about whatever that particular topic is, whatever that particular moment mm -hmm. is. The other thing you mentioned, too, that I think is so important. And again, this shows up in, in the book is is the fact that news unfolds over time. Absolutely. And so you've got some kind of investigative journalism where you've got this, the, the, the person lays it all out for us, right? Because he or she has been investigating something for potentially months, you know, it, it's maybe longer. I don't know. But there's been this, you know, ex exhaustive look at, at a, an event and maybe kind of bit where it's gone and, and what's happened. And they report out the entire thing. Whereas, as you mentioned with the 24-hour news cycle, you've got stuff coming at, you've got, those bits are typically, a lot of those bits that, that, the, that the person who's doing the extensive broadcasting are, are reporting, excuse me, mm -hmm. might, might 
pull together some of those bits we've heard about before because they've been floating out in the 24-hour news cycle and maybe they get you know half a day or five minutes or who knows what of airtime and they may we may have come across them before um but what we what we can't do as news consumers is take that one bit that comes out like in the moment and go oh that's it like that's the story Mm -hmm. because ultimately the story is going to unfold or it's going to be connected to all these other parts and pieces that we need to maybe tie into to make the bigger story, which is another thing those investigative journalists mm-hmm. do. The The historic news I use for that one in that particular lesson is if you go look at several um, reports of from the Titanic the day after it, it hits the iceberg. And by this point, like it's it's mm-hmm. down. Yeah. It, but you can find a lot of reports that say uh, that they that this particular newspaper news institution has been told that um, everybody's been saved. They're towing the boat back to the United States. You know, I mean, it take it took three or four days for that information to come out uh, in its full form. There was a lot of of what I describe as misinformation, kind of unintentional mm-hmm. uh, uh, wrong information that came out there, and that can happen. Now, right? Like we can get in the news cycles, obviously much faster, but uh, misinformation can come out and we need to to be careful to kind of keep revisiting news stories, especially ones that are important to us Mm -hmm. so that we can figure out how they unfold. Or maybe if there was some misinformation or new information that's going to help us broaden our view of of this particular event, whatever it is. Yeah. And And it's interesting versus you have your social media, you have your articles, you have your books. And I'm going to segue here. This is how I incorporate sponsors into this. Do it. Um, looking at Corey Stolz's book, The Union yeah. of the State. Yeah. I mean, he interviewed like all these members of the comedy troupe, I mean, extensively. And I'm sure, and I, I can't remember on his, on his podcast, uh, the episode of, of this podcast that he was on, if he, I, I believe he went back. So like you'll get different information and how it unfolds. Yeah. And then you go back, then you have to re-interview people. Wait, what about this, this and that? But uh, if the listeners, you know, haven't read this book yet, uh, have you read the book? Yet? I have read it. I read. Isn't I it mean, fantastic? It's been a while because I yeah. grabbed it pretty shortly after it came out. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it's good. Yeah. So I implore and Corey's everyone. A great, Corey's a great writer. Oh, That's it's part fantastic. of it too. Is not Absolutely. only the work he did to it, but but as far as gathering all yeah. the information, but then he's got to put it together, and he's he did a great job. No, with he that. did a great job. I mean, so much of that is, well, one great interviews. So you know, yes. getting that out of his subjects. Yes. And then editing. I mean, so much editing. The way he he pieced everything together to tell that story. I Somebody needs to write a book about down. Corey doing interviews <laughs> yeah. and meeting celebrities. Do you ever see all of his pictures he puts oh, out? Oh, great. Yeah, he's, I, I, the number of people he's met is incredible. Yeah, so the Union of State listeners, check that out. Go to CoreyStolz.com. I kind of like this riffing. I cut in right in the middle of your of your uh, like promo. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's good. That, that I like this better than the monologue at the beginning. Oh, okay. And so then well, I'll do one more and then I'll save the last one for the end. Okay. But also looking at experts. And I know one thing we talked about with this whole COVID thing. I've been, you know, I haven't, yoga is, I, I, I should, you think this would be a plenty of time for yoga and things like that. I just haven't, I've been out of my routine. They say everyone gets out of their routine because even I, my circle is all, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of librarians Yeah, and so many librarians saying, oh my gosh, I've, I'm just starting to start like reading. They just stopped reading. Interesting. Because everything just kind of went haywire for a while. Yeah. So I can see like whatever your routine is, 
it gets it, all out of whack. It completely, I mean, you think I'm developing new routines, but that's yeah. one thing that like, you know, my yoga game wasn't good at that point, but I noticed, you know, back to bicycling. So little, little off there. And I got to go get an adjustment from, uh, you know, our friend, Dr. Mark Holland. I've been there many times. Yeah. Yeah. So he's near the he's one by near me. You. The yeah. One by yeah. Me. That's the office I typically go to, but, uh, yeah. And I've had good results. Um, you know, everybody's, you know, has their own thing, whether it's a car accident or, you know, I just get general adjustments when my body gets tight. I think sitting the wrong way, sleeping the wrong, wrong way. So things like that, um, works for me. I need to go back in because I was, um, I had an issue like a sciatica issue. Oh yeah. And read, they, they have a newsletter that comes out on occasion. I don't know if it's, I don't know if I've seen it lately, but I have seen yeah, it Yeah, he's been past. doing more social media, putting out yeah. articles and things. So that's been very helpful. But he had something about that. And I thought, oh, I'm going to go in and see if they can help me. Oh my goodness. Night and day. Yeah. Just yeah. was unbelievable. But now that I'm out of my routines, when I'm at work, I'm standing all, almost 90, 95% of the time. But at home, especially when I was working yeah. on this book, sitting all the time and it starting to flare up a little bit yeah. i need to go back in and get so that's my story you know your story but you know everybody has to look and investigate on their own yes just, absolutely just as with this i mean don't um you know there's not a one-stop shop for anything so yeah. it's just looking at the information like even with this we're putting it out there yeah but it's good for people to investigate and see you know learn more about chiropractic you know if they don't know mm -hmm. so it's good to be you know it's good to be informed mm -hmm. and one thing that i love about mark is you know when i'm in there it's always like are you doing these stretches he'll give these papers and and, and so he's looking at like a whole body approach right so it's not just your visit really like that yeah really like that about him so yeah five offices in the area that's good stuff Let's talk about, so you've been doing a lot of writing and more educational writing with yeah. the past five years. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. About five years. Yeah. And, and did a lot of this, I mean, how did your experience with the library of Congress and what was that? That wasn't an internship. Was that a fellowship that you did with them? It, it, they call it a teacher in residence. Uh -huh. I, I guess you could call it a fellowship. Okay. It's a one year position where they basically borrow me from my school district and bring me to DC to work with them. And then they, after that year, they send me back. Um, but no, I actually, Ken, I was thinking about this last night because for, and I didn't know you were going to ask this question, but I was, when I thought about wanting to go pursue this, to go to DC, the one thing that the person prior to me was doing a lot of was she was writing a lot. And she had these great blog posts and they were, were just very well done and structured. And I never thought of myself as a writer. I just, that was just not who I was. And so I thought, I've got to write. Like, I've got to practice. I've got, and it wasn't like I read like crazy, but I just did not write. And so I made it a goal that once a month I was going to write a blog post and I was going to share it out over Twitter or whatever, you know, to the hundred people <laughs> that were following me or something. <laughs> and, uh, so the, uh, but it was going to at least be accountability on my part. Yeah, right? yeah. That absolutely. Was, that was the big thing. And so I wrote, um, I had just been at the Library of Congress for the second time the summer prior to this. And uh, they had shown us some new, at the time, new ebooks that they were putting out. And they're really great because they're these great collections of sources around a school topic that are, and, and kids can interact with them and um, annotate, draw on them, zoom in, all this great stuff. So I used it with my kids and I thought, oh, I'm going to do a blog post up, write up about this. This is great. This is exactly the kind of stuff I need to practice doing. So I write my blog post up and I share it out. And I probably tagged the, the teaching and 
teaching with the Library of Congress handle, not the major Library of Congress handle, but the teaching one. And uh, they contacted me like two or three days later, and they said, we want to take your blog post and do a little editing, but we want to make it one of our blog posts and have you as like a guest writer. And I thought, oh my goodness, I like maybe I can actually do this. Yeah, like, maybe I, like, I can yeah. string together, you know, five six hundred words. And um, so then I go to the the library and the I meet up with the um, who ended up being my editor for most of my writing. I think I wrote about twenty two or twenty four posts while I was there. And uh, Cheryl Letterly is her name, and she and I told her pretty early on, like this is an area I'm not comfortable with. I'm not comfortable with like writing. I'm, I've been trying to do better, blah, blah, blah. And so supportive. Um, like her uh, method really was to come in and she would say this, not um, not change my voice and not try to change my message of what I was trying to say, but just polish everything up to make it kind of the best version. And the great thing was I would read her stuff and she would, uh, I wouldn't be able to tell what she changed. And so I'm like, oh, well, that's like when you know that she's a great editor, that she can do that. And I can't even tell, you know, after I haven't looked at it for a few days. So I did that. I wrote an, art, an article for publication for them and slowly started to think like, oh, maybe I can write. Like maybe this is something I can actually do. And um, then the uh, I start writing a few articles after I left there for um, School Library Connection, which is a, a librarian's publication. And... Um, kept doing some little blogging and that kind of stuff and yeah now I, I do almost more writing than anything else and and like I mentioned earlier I done another I did another book about two years ago that I wrote and uh, and so yeah lots and lots and lots of writing something that I didn't think I could do but I I do much more of now than I ever would have expected so the reason I was thinking about this last night, I'm going to share this with you right. is I pulled out you take a test when you go through education or at least you did. 24, five, six years ago, when you go through your undergraduate education and they basically make sure that you're competent in, you know, kind of all major areas, right? So I, I was going through this box. We're, we're on this hawk's nest, right? So we're, I'm, <laughs> I'm going through all my old stuff from yeah, high yeah. school and college. It's all mixed together. It's in one box, so it's not that much. But I pulled out this test and, and I'm looking at it and it's like high, medium, low. That's how they rank. Just rank. They give you high, medium, low. And all, can every subject area, math, high, 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 you know, social studies, high, high. Maybe there's a medium thrown in there somewhere. Um, reading, high, everything. Writing, medium, medium, <laughs> medium. <laughs> I'm like, well, no wonder yeah. I didn't think I could write. But I also came across uh, like a creative writing notebook I had for a class that I took at, at Hazelwood Central. And... Uh, I was kind of revisiting how much I enjoyed doing that. I can't remember the the gentleman's name who taught the class, though. I had that same class, and I loved it, even though I was super lazy. But I can't remember his name either. I've got to dig that. But it's in a yearbook somewhere. Teacher, I'm going to find it. Great teacher. Enjoyed the class. I just, you know, didn't see myself as as a writer, although my stuff was good. But, yeah, that was a lazy period of my life and didn't live up to my potential. And now... It's like I'm a pretty good writer, but uh, I mean, I get by, but uh, I, I couldn't, I don't understand what I'm doing. I just, I guess I've read enough. Yeah. And I think that's importance of, of the high reading scores. Then it's kind of embedded in your brain and yeah. usually at least a decent draft. I'm medium. I'll take it. The, <laughs> I'll take a medium. <laughs> medium's fine. Yeah. For, the, we talk to, we get a chance to talk to bring authors into our school <laughs> all the time. And I talk to authors lucky enough sometimes to even go out to yeah. dinner with them, whatever inevitably if we ever talk about writing now these people are yeah. writing more stories right oh, yeah absolutely but but 
I think this is true across the board with writing that they just say the number one thing is like, you just need to write. Absolutely. You just need to write no matter if you have any aspirations to write anything of any form, just writing and then going back and getting feedback from people and then being open enough to take that and revise and do that kind of stuff. And even if you're writing, I mean, uh, you know, and I've, I've interviewed a few writers for this show because I love to read and I just think it's so important but, uh, you know, different writers have different rituals. Yes. So I have, um, you know, one great episode is uh, Tony Rehagen. And I found out about him through the textbook that was in the uh, in the class I was teaching for the narrative journalism. So he was in there and then he, uh, Mizzou graduate, and then eventually moved back here, but had some great articles that I shared in the class. So then, you know, I met him and, you know, we did an interview and Adrian Todd Zaniga talked about yep. this as well. And it's I just, listen to Adri- I listen to Todd. I call him Todd, but still, yeah, but yeah, Adrian Todd. Yep, yeah. Yeah. I know Miss Todd as well, but I've, I've got to where I have his author name. Yes. But uh, yeah, he was, he was talking about, yeah, just do a little bit, you know, at a time or get, you know, you have to get started mm-hmm. and get into that habit. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing I haven't with writing been in that habit, mm-hmm. but I think it's like anything exercising. If you're, if you're exercising three or four times a week, then you're going to get be in good shape. Same thing with writing. Um, and just, you know, hopefully you read enough and have enough of the basics to uh, get to that point. But I, I think it all can, you know, you, you know, it all can be done. And I can't emphasize enough from the little, I should say, little writing I've done in the grand scheme of things, like a good editor, getting somebody you trust to look at this and say, here's some stuff that you need to change or here's some stuff that I suggest changing or, and then being, like yeah. I said at the moment ago, being open to, I mean, I told you, I started this with saying I had a healthy amount of self-doubt. Like, I think everything I write is garbage until <laughs> until I'm finished with it. And then I'm like, okay, it's okay. Yeah. No, I'm the same way with videos. And then it's it's funny. I'll look back uh, on something I haven't watched maybe two or three years. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how did I do that? It's just almost an out-of-body experience. Yeah. And it's, it's great when, when I can be emotionally moved. Like yeah. one of the projects that I put together was pedaling to stop pushing. I don't know if you remember that, but the guy that was, you know, his son died from a heroin overdose. And uh, so he was, you know, using his bike to, you know, talk about, yes. uh, you know, that, that pandemic or I yes. guess whatever, that crisis that we're facing in our country. And so I look back and watch that and it was like, man, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and I was just in tears. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, how, how did that even, you know, happen? And it's just, you do it and you, you know, and then and probably later. At, and probably at the moment you had, you'd probably weren't having that reaction necessarily. Right. Like you need almost need that removal from it. Like oh, when yeah. you're so, when you're, when you're piecing it together, when you're telling the story, uh, it, it's, it probably like you might've had some yeah. emotional reaction to it, but that amount of emotional reaction probably wasn't there. So like the, the, yeah, yeah. the, the neat thing is to be able to, I, I, I'm, reacting to what you're saying is to be able to come back and almost have that um the 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 same reaction that hopefully any person who watches it is going to have for the first time because you're coming at it was so fresh because you've been away from it oh yeah you get numb to you work on something long enough you get numb to it so it's nice to step away yes and and feel that and it's just you know it's incredible so that's something and then you know having that time away and then you realize if something holds up over time you're like okay I did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. I imagine the same thing. If you go back and read some blog posts, if, if you're like, whoa, I've read this, some, this held up. Yeah. I've read some that I did. I real I mean, yeah. I read and I think 
that doesn't even sound like me, but it's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, I think you're right. You need that separation. Yeah, or maybe have something like I don't remember writing that, mm-hmm. or or if you read mm-hmm. it out of context, you're like, this is pretty good. You're like, who wrote that? I have and, had or that if happen. you partner with people, yes. and I'm like, man, that was pretty good, dude. You did a great job. They're like, you came up with that. Like, <laughs> I don't even remember, but okay, okay. thank you because I like it. I like it. So speaking of reading, I mean, what kind of things are you reading these days? What keeps oh. you fresh on subjects? What keeps you inspired? So I'll tell you what I'm doing now. I'm kind of reading for a, a purpose right at the moment. Uh-huh. So I, ju- I, ju- I will tell you, so I read a lot for, I barely read any adult books anymore. Because since I'm at, I'm at an elementary school, I'm reading a lot for kids who are, you know, five to 10 yep. years old. And that's my... And I want to be able to make sure I'm telling them about so I can connect them with the books that hopefully they're going to love. Um, the one kind of book in that vein that I just read, which I found out as I was reading, it was not really for upper elementary kids, but it's probably more middle school, high school, is a great graphic novel by Gene Yung Lang called Dragon Hoops. And he is basically, have you ever read any of his I've stuff? not. I'm not familiar. Boxers and Saints. You've got to read that. And American Born Chinese. They will just blow your mind right uh, they're they're incredible um this one i think uh was was equally good um but he's basically writing a almost a memoir in a sense from after he came out i think with boxers and saints and he's deciding what do i write next and he kind of tells the story making a decision about what he's going to write which he ultimately decides to kind of tell the story of he was a high school i think math teacher at the time and he tells the story of the high school basketball team in California that where he works that is like just destined to go to state and it's digging into the team players the coach the backstory of the school his own um kind of perspective that he's bringing to the whole thing as someone who doesn't know anything or care about basketball um but he tells this really engaging story and I know you can't see if you're listening here, but the book is like two inches thick for a graphic novel. <laughs> that is monstrous, wow, but huge. you'll still read it pretty quickly because yeah. they're, they're quicker reads. Um, but it, it was a great book. The other thing uh, that I'm reading more for a project is I'm, I haven't told this to anybody, but I'll tell you, I, I am, well, my, I've told my wife, I'm tra- my kids, but I'm trying my hand. Well, myself and my, uh, uh, you know, 50 <laughs> listeners are, are appreciative. T- <laughs> I told my, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying my hand just for fun at writing um, like a historically based picture book. So like 16 page turns, thousand words telling this, a, a portion of someone's story, right? Or an event or something like that. Um, so I'm kind of in a search now for my I've written one and I've drafted it I've gotten it in front of people that's the one I know about right that yes okay yeah cool. I'm not talking about it but yeah it's, okay, it's, it's out there in the world right. it's, it's out right. there to a few people now right, and I'm, just, I'm kind of figuring Hopefully out if something comes of it yeah, who knows and if it doesn't I've, I'm like I started this saying if something comes of this great and if it doesn't yeah. that's perfectly okay too so now what I'm doing is I'm searching for my next topic so I'm not going to tell you what I'm reading but the interesting thing is that um, I'm within the same moment in history and around one central figure, but I'm all over the place as far as what I think. I'm trying to figure out in my head what's the story that might be worth telling in a different way. Because I'm reading some historian's book that they put out there Um or I'm reading articles that have been put out for adults that are online or whatever to read all about this individual and and events around this individual's life. And I'm trying to see, is there a moment that 
that moment of storytelling would work really well in a picture book and be geared towards, you know, you've got great picture books that are meant more for high school kids. So anywhere from high school down to, to middle elementary school. Um, so I'm still trying to fig- figure that out, but that's kind of my, um, almost like, and it's so, it's so nice to be doing this during the summer where I have a little more time to do that, but that's kind of the other piece that I'm reading right now with, with, uh, and I think I'm kind of almost honed in. I'll tell you off air because I'm not going to. Oh, no, no worries. Because again, if yeah. nothing comes of it, then I just want it. I just want it to almost to be like that right that high school writing notebook where I just have some nice little pieces that yeah. I'm super happy with um, and proud of. And if something comes of it and someone else wants to do something with it, awesome. Nice. What, what was the was it the Newberry Award or was it the other one that you just that you uh, you were a judge for? Yeah, I was one of the um, on the committee for the Caldecott. So okay. that's the picture book, or it's I shouldn't say picture book because it's for the it's for the illustrated books. So we've had graphic okay. no, graphic novels that have also been recognized. So, but uh, it, and it, the award is for the illustrator. So you look for the illustrator. Oh, okay. You look right. at the illustrations and the role that the illustrations are playing in the storytelling. But that was um, in oh my gosh, the night that was just over a year, just over a year ago. The nineteenth came out in January of nineteen was announced. Uh, Hello Lighthouse by Sophie Blackall, and then there were um, four honor books with that too that that were recognized with this committee of uh, fifteen people. That was the most amazing collaborative work that I've ever done, been a part of in my life because I, we literally for two days we're, we're spent a, almost a year reading, commenting, um, uh, suggesting books. And then you go to the conference where it's going to be announced on Monday and Friday, you all, I think it was Friday, we, Thursday, I'm sorry, we went out to dinner. So we all kind of just haven't seen each other in six months. Hi, you know, have a nice dinner Friday and between Friday and Saturday and a little bit of time Sunday, we were meeting for a total can of about 24 hours. And I thought, I've never talked over two, two and a half days for 24 hours yeah. about anything, right? Like my wife Filibuster. would kill me if I wanted to talk about anything for 24 hours. But that's what we did. We talked yeah. about picture books and the best picture books that were put out illustratively that year for 24 hours. It was in, in, in like a basically a two-day time span. And how many books was it that you that you read? And so the Explored, books, examined. So the books get sent by... Uh, publishers and to your home and and yeah, you remember get to read them stacks there. of books at your house and uh and then you can also bring books in which i did that with a couple of books and other people did as well that maybe publishers don't send out maybe ah. it's a smaller publishing company okay, they, cool. they that's not you know on their radar to, that's fantastic to do that so try to get huh. a lot of voices in there a lot of it um and then it gets whittled down but i i think at our starting point in total and i don't have the exact number but seven eight hundred picture books which sounds like you're thinking oh picture books you can whip through those really quickly the the issue becomes with when you get down to the final many 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 dozen picture books um you spend you might spend three four five hours with some of those books just analyzing and picking them apart and trying to figure out what that illustrator was trying to do so um that's what i i spent that much time i don't know about everybody else and i you're not allowed to even speak about what anyone else spoke about so that's kind of a but you spend a lot of time with these books and you by the time you get down to that core that the the ones that were recognized um you really have uh 
a, a, a love for these books and, and the illustrators uh, that created them. I mean, they're, they become really endearing pieces to you because you mm-hmm. spent so much time with them. What was your process? Did you, how did you eliminate uh, some books? Did you know right away that this one's, you know, you know, not, doesn't fit my criteria. And then, did you know, the ones that right away when you read it, like, whoa, yeah. all right, put it in this pile, put it in this pile. Yeah. So the part I can tell you, cause again, I can't tell what other people, but the general's process mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. is that basically monthly, uh, no matter how many books we got, we would make suggestions. And what the suggestion would mean was to everyone else, hey, I think this book is really special and there might be something to it here. So please make sure you give it some extra time. Oh, okay. And cool. so then those would be books that I I would do exactly what you said, like my initial reads through all of them. I give them usually a couple reads. Okay. And then by then I would have an idea. Do I think this is special or do I think uh, I'm not really feeling it, that, that there's, there's pieces missing here or it's not doing what I would hope this book would do um, illustratively and then, pu- you know, put it aside. And then I would put, my titles forward for the month and but then other titles would circle back to me right and be like okay i gotta go look at this again and sometimes i would agree with that and sometimes i wouldn't and then we you have many again i can't give out exact numbers but because it's obviously it varies year to year but many many books uh put forward and then what we start doing in october or november i think in october we start actually doing official nominations and every person on the committee nominates seven books okay all right and so those are the books that come to the final okay decision that weekend now so you're when looking I say, at what is a seven to, to, to uh, so you could have 105 a, books it could be up to 105 but people could be nominating the same books oh, okay gotcha so it's usually it's going to be typically less than that 105 but that's the maximum okay and when you're there that weekend you're going to talk about if it's 105 books you're going to talk about every one of those 105 books and you're going to give it you're everyone's going to get a chance to speak about each of the however many books it so is. If somebody gets that award that's no joke oh that's, no that's legit i yeah, mean it goes fantastic. through and 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 it's interesting because you look at it from year to year and as somebody who's gone through that process you may go through it's very much a reflection of those 15 people in the room. But what I've found, too, is um, a general appreciation once those books come out. The people that I have have come and spoken with me about um, the books that were recognized, uh, that then those books kind of gain extra love, right, from, from the picture book loving community uh, in this case because they were all picture books. And they um, – they maybe see something in a book that they didn't see before, or maybe it was a book they had never read all year, right? It had been out for a year or six months or whatever, and they hadn't even had a chance to pick it up before. So it definitely elevates um, books. So I, it's something that that I and I know everybody on that committee uh, took extremely seriously because you're um, you're impacting somebody's life in a in a really positive way, hopefully, uh, by recognizing them through that award fantastic that's exciting you still do you still do that or is it it's a it's a one-year uh position and then once you're on that committee and and there's several other committees that fall into this group of of committees from uh the american library association who is the um and ALSC is the subcommittee that gives this award, but the Caldecott, the Newberry are the two big ones. And then there's several others. If you serve on that committee, on the committee in any other form other than a um, committee head, you cannot serve on any of this group of committees for four years. So I'm 
off right now, but I would love to do some, if it's not Caldecott, I'd love to do one of the other ones again nice. down the road. Yeah, I think you could burn out. I mean, that's a lot of... A lot they, of reading, a lot of a lot of work. When if you're doing it right, they want to bring and they want to bring different new yeah. perspectives into Absolutely. it too, right? You want you've got all these librarians, and it's not just librarians. It could be people who have you can as long as you don't have a book coming out that year that would fall into that category. Like, and you're part of that organization, you can be on that committee. So, not all of the people on that committee were necessarily. Uh, librarians or some people were librarians but they were also illustrators or they were had you know maybe they had done some other type of work so um it's it's um yeah but it's it they they're always looking for bringing in to bring in these new voices which i think is important that's fantastic good stuff good stuff now let me before we segue we'll go into like um i don't know maybe not really rapid fire lightning uh, round something like that but uh are, are you um are you a fan of um, Mediterranean food? I'm taking this to be like talk quickly. <laughs> Quit giving such long no, answers. No, 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 no. You're doing great. It's it's great. Uh, um, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't say it's something I eat a lot of, but I do eat when I do ha- get a chance to have it. I enjoy it. Nice. I don't. I need to see. I need to. Uh, we've been trying to seek out uh, just different food. And then all of a sudden, all of this COVID hit and then it kind of slowed everything down Absolutely. a little bit. So, yeah. But yeah, no, I do enjoy it. Well, good, good. And I made some I made some hummus for us to eat because I, I know it. you love to cook. So I have that. But I Thank tell you, you what, some of the best hummus that I've had recently, yeah. uh, a buddy of mine from college, uh, Mohammed Kadada, he um, he just opened a restaurant called American Falafel. And uh, it's over in the loop. Okay. And somebody posted. And that's one thing, a funny thing, we're talking about Facebook and media and opinions. That's right by my school, too. I got to get out oh, there. Oh, you got to go there. It's just right uh, next to the Tivoli. That yeah. shares that big parking lot with the Tivoli. Absolutely, it used to be Racanelli's. Okay, but so he uh, he was at Mastercard. Decided, you know, he wants to do something different. You know, wants to interact with people more. You know, loves food. He's from Jordan, and so I just saw a Facebook post, and uh, you know, I hadn't been out much and went over there and just wanted to reconnect, and it was amazing. So he has you know falafel sandwich. He has a chicken shawarma. I probably didn't oh, yes. did I say that right. No, I think you did. Yeah, it's. I mean, the food's delicious, yeah. and it's uh, great salads, all that. But it was it was cool. Somebody posted like, "Oh, horrible time to open up a restaurant," and he actually worked out that when he signed the the lease, I think it was March fifth. But then by the time he got everything set up and ready to go, it was right when you know everything was reopening. Oh, so thank you goodness. know, like carry out orders. So he he said he's doing great with it. He's having a good time and. It's just I've been over there a couple times and it's wonderful. So where call, is he drawing all these? Do you? I I don't mean to. I'm going to sidetrack. No, no, throw I'm it out there. I'm sidetracking all these. It's things. a conversation. Where buddy. is he? Do you know where he's getting all these recipes from? From his family recipes. These are fa- family See, recipes. Love, these man. are the best places. Oh, I know the places that have family recipes are the best places. Or people who like take and I don't know if he does this or not, but like take the family recipe and twist it a little bit or something, you know. But it's got that grounding in. Yes, this is food that I love that I've been eating my whole life. Absolutely, and just like the Italian restaurants, I'm working on putting a show together and yeah. uh, family recipes uh, from them as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's just good stuff. So Absolutely. give them a shout at some point. But yeah, uh, American falafel. I'll have everything, uh, you know, I'll have their website, which AmericanFalafel.com, but put it on the show page. So if you ever forget and you go back and look at the show, check it out. But uh, good stuff. Good stuff. So I hope my, my hummus, I threw some red peppers and some yellow peppers Did you get a lesson there. from him at all in any no, of this? No, I didn't. But he was saying he has like this machine from Jordan and it's like the smoothest, creamiest, just was such good hummus. And he has these like pita chips. Oh, it's amazing. And and his chef, he brought in this chef from Jordan. 
this guy worked with his uncle. And so he uh, he moved over here. His kids are going to college. Amazing. Fries puts these eggplants for their, um, oh, no, I can't even think, uh, Baba Ganoush. Yeah. He puts these eggplants like on the grill or on the burner and sears them. Oh, man, that was awesome, too. This is, so yeah, yeah. It's almost like I uh, forget about what I made. It's not Let's, an open kitchen, is it? You can't see them. It's make, an open kitchen. You see them it. making it. It's great. Yeah. This is the best. You're describing it to me. That's why I was wondering. Oh yeah, you're watching them cook, and it's just got great people. Like I said, I knew this guy. I met him in college, and we've been friends ever since. There's so, nothing yeah. better than an open kitchen. Yeah. Because then you're. It's like watching the cooking shows you love. You know, at least I like to watch. And but then you get to actually eat the food. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, you, you get it all right there. Yeah, and your barbecue sauce, so I will give that a, a shout. I know you're not, and one day if you want to bottle that up, but it was good. <laughs> Thank you. It was, good it was stuff, uh, man. did I tell you it was uh it was like a Zinfandel based? I tell, yeah, because we we finished off the rest of oh, that. Oh, I didn't realize that the Zinfandel was in the uh, sauce. Yes, that was oh. old. That's why. It was, so it was a Zinfandel based Incredible. sauce that I uh, and it was my first first attempt. So at that type of sauce, but I'm looking to uh, to branch out because I was doing I've been doing for at least ten years dry rubs. Mm-hmm. and i've got two of them like that are oh yeah for fan- me perfect like they're exactly what Amazing. i want absolutely um but i've been i've been wanting to branch out into sauces and play with sauces more so this is kind yeah. of me doing that this, this is my summer of the barbecue sauce yeah, and your wings your wings have always been great the dry rubs great and the sauce just added to that so it complemented it well you know what else i think that would go well with there's some ribs Ooh. That would work well in ribs, too. All right, yeah. So that's my, that's, I've got to do that. So now everyone's going to listen to this and like, I have to reach out to Tom Bober. I will. T- so but, let's but just say this now. Only give the sauce to people that share this podcast. But let's just, yeah, they share the podcast yeah. for sure. But I, w- I will say this right now. <laughs> I do not share my recipe for my dry rub and I will not share this recipe for this no, sauce. No, I don't expect you to. But I will if you, uh, for people like, I don't know if you've ever gotten any, but I know I've shared like I with Eric uh, Minnett and his family, like I've they've taken dry rub from my house. I'll gladly give it away uh, for you to use, but I don't give the recipe. Hey, that's out. a good offer. It's I like not. That. It's it's very. That's a great offer. Very fair. I don't need so, to. If you're making it and giving it to me, then I don't need to make it. I know. I mean, that's even better. Some of my family members don't like that yeah. setup. My extended yeah. family, they want to know the recipe, but I've got it. I've got it written down. Yeah. And when I, uh, it's hidden in my like deep in a Google drive somewhere and somebody can dig out all my recipes uh one day you gotta hide them man you gotta call it something else <laughs> right <Call> it, right <laughs> where nobody's taxes looking. something now, like that were you did you tell me about this or somebody told me about this thing on face or uh youtube called hot ones no you got to talk about this because i didn't no this was not me okay it's awesome it's these wings and uh they look amazing and they go like these different like elements of hot sauce and apparently what is it scobles is that the uh is that the rating oh, the scale for, yeah yeah so apparently the last one they do is like two million and people are sweating out of their eyeballs and everything else it's crazy so this guy interviews celebrities i think he's on his 11th or 12th season and it's just fascinating because they're going through an interview and sometimes you know not so serious but you know whatever the subject is whoever you know they had uh tenacious d jack black and kyle gas i watched that earlier he had gordon ramsay yeah oh my gosh gordon Gordon. oh it was dude if you watch one episode of this tom (laughs) i'm sure he curses oh he was cursing and (laughs) and he was like eating this sauce and it was it was the funniest thing is this on a a, is this video yeah video video okay. youtube channel okay um and it's uh, apparently part of this larger cooking network like i said so much is out there 
Never heard of this thing. And then they have like 90 million viewers or something crazy like so that. So this is like a podcast I've been listening to lately where at a part towards the tail end of the podcast, mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm assuming we're getting towards the end of this. You take as long as you want. Yeah, no, no. But they, but they, the, show, the person that runs the podcast does like a, I can't remember what she calls it, but it's kind of like, what are you into right now? Oh. And so it's like, it's just, they, they spend a couple, so this is like what you're, you know, kind of what you're, this is you're diving that, into yeah. a little bit yeah. right now. It's like, and it's usually something that they found that it's just like, you know, grabbing their attention at the moment. And I've, as I'm listening, I'm making notes like, and some yeah. of the times I'm listening to back it back episodes. So some of it might be gone off Netflix or wherever yeah, it yeah. might be. But uh, yeah, this is great. I got to check luckily, that out. Luckily, and I need to start because I'll put it into my to-do list. And uh, somebody says, check this out. And so I'll put it in there. And But then I don't put a name who told me. Yeah. And so then weeks later or months later when i get around to it it's like who the hell told me about this do you eat a lot of hot food do you like hot hot food uh you know i i do a little bit but uh to certain levels now jeff ritter he's crazy yeah he used to i don't know if he still does but back in the day that guy whoo so i would go peppers and all that every time i go to there's a little have you been to this little spice shop down in saint charles i have not Uh, are you into are you like a you probably Uh, i feel like you are you like spices Yeah. Yeah. yeah So spy, you got to check this place out. Okay. Spice shop down on Main Street in St. Charles. I don't know the address, but uh, I mean, they've got almost everything under the sun, but they've got a whole thing of like hot peppers and chili peppers and all kinds of things. And every time I stroll past and pick, you know, my kind of mild chili pepper mm-hmm. stuff, I'm looking at those things that will practically, you know, burn you, so, yeah. you know. Uh, and, and thinking of who eats this stuff, like yeah, yeah. That, I, but I do like, I do like a little heat, but nothing too crazy. Yeah. I tried to grow some ghost peppers last year, um, just for tincture. So a friend of mine's an herbologist and he's another podcast guest, Alan Carter, and he's really interesting. And that's one of the things he'll have these little tinctures and you just put a couple drops on your tongue and your tongue is like burning, but it, it like heats the body up. So it's a natural way of, uh, you know, if you feel you're getting a cold, you put a couple drops of this on your tongue and it like brings your body temperature up and it, you know, helps, you know, potentially combat like any any viruses or illnesses or whatnot, um, colds or bacteria. So yeah, it's interesting how natural medicines and food, but I've never by any means like take a bite out of one of those peppers. I don't, I'd be afraid. I'd be afraid to even grow it. Yeah. I just would be afraid I'd fall into it one would fall in my mouth all yeah, of a sudden yeah. or it, touch yeah. my eyes i did that oh, when i was younger touch no. my eyes yeah. when i was cutting peppers and that was that'd be the stupid. worst stupid but uh, i'll have to find a wing video where i uh i don't know if i still have this somebody uh, challenged me we were just out and so of course they recorded it with their phone and man i was like my mouth was on fire and i didn't know about the milk then but uh fortunately somebody did and yeah that works saved you it's good stuff. So let me see. Let me find a couple of little questions here. Um, this rapid fire isn't so rapid. That's that's well, my that, fault. That, that was more of the <laughs> uh, yeah the sponsorship. You know, gotta, okay. You got to give good value to to those who who care. Um, let me see. What do we got here? I mean, what about? Uh, I mean, what's your favorite book of all time? You have one. So someone asked me this recently. I don't have a favorite book because I kind of think in in categories around my students. So like when I've got, like I'm thinking my favorite book of all time could be something, but if they hit, like maybe it's a fantasy book, but if these kids are like, this group isn't into fantasy, I better know my favorite contemporary realistic fiction book or whatever it is. So I kind of categorize. So almost so, but I will say one of the favorites that I've read, I'll say one of the favorites that I read last year 
um, was a book called, um, oh gosh, it's Coyote Sunrises in the title, like The Remarkable Journey of Coyote Sunrises by Dan Gemmenhart. It's, it's a contemporary realistic. And somebody was just bringing it up because of Father's Day because somebody asked on Twitter, who's your favorite literary dad? And the dad in this book uh, is is so well-intentioned and yet so flawed. And that just made like a really interesting character to me. But he, it's about a girl who is traveling with her dad by bus, like a school bus, like a gutted school bus oh, interesting. across the country. And the reason we find out that they're traveling across the country is that uh, the mother and her two sisters died in a car accident many months ago. And the way that dad dealt with it was to basically get out of Dodge and travel across the country. Well, she stops and she talks to her grandmother towards the beginning of the book who still lives in this town. And grandma says, hey, just by happenstance, she kind of mentions, hey, we're they're uh, taking the park and it's getting turned into like apartment complexes or something like that. And um, the girl flips out because the last thing she did with her mother and her sisters was to bury this memory box in this park. And so she needs to get back. But her dad is so resistant to anything geographically in that space because it's so hurtful to him that he won't even entertain it like she knows she can't even bring it up to him so she's got to basically trick him to get back to i think they're in washington state is the where the town is they're trying to go to so it's kind of a journey story um but it's also a healing story and a family story and Mm -hmm. it's just it's it's powerful i I really appreciate uh the work that he did and is that one you found out from your students or you found out for you you, for them like i had read i had read it as a yeah as i i get a bunch of um I go to conferences, I'll okay. get early copies and yeah. I'll read them up and this one really touched me. But it's super cool as well and, and I love it when my nephew mentions something and I can't think of the title but there's this Paul Rudd movie where he has he has to be a caretaker of this English kid. Oh, uh, I think it's called like The Theory of Living or The Fundamentals of Life or okay. something like that. I'll, I'll find it and, and post it on either the show page yeah. or send you an email. But it's cool to, to see what, you know, the youth are into. You know, yes. what movies are... Uh, you know, t- uh, talking to them, speaking to them. So it was, it was cool. You know, I, I might not have seen that had he not mentioned it. Um, what's the best advice you've ever received? <sighs> These questions should have a warning, like a one day <laughs> warning so I can think about this. Um, I think the best advice that I ever, I don't know if it was received directly or if I came to it through discussions, like I, a lot of conversations with, uh, my dad and through uh therapy but this this idea that um who you are now doesn't have to be who you are in the future you can you can change so so something that worked for you right now Mm -hmm. like you know that that helped you make it right now or that helped you survive 10 years ago or whenever it was you don't have even though it worked then you don't have to hold on to that so you can let it go and being able to let go of some things that were helpful at a time for me, but then became almost harmful yeah, was like a huge awakening for me. And I, 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 I had that mo. I remember, I, I don't think it was directly said, but it was through conversations that I came to that. That's fantastic. That's great advice. Take that one. That's, that's very, use that one. Thank you. Um, let's see. You know, we've got this list of some questions. Uh, what advice would you give yourself, like if you went back to say high school? We've been talking yeah. about with the hawk's nest a lot. What um, I mean, that's a great piece of advice. That would is it be a piece, the same that thing. Is, or would no, it, well, 
Maybe. Um, but I have been thinking about this too, about because of all all these just great stuff with people posting up mm-hmm. and sharing and and not only sharing what backing in memories, but sharing kind of where people are today, which is so great to to see where where they are and what they're doing. Um, I think if I would give myself a piece of advice, if I could go back uh, to that early high school, I probably um, just have a real heart to heart about being two things: uh, make sure I'm kind and and make sure I'm I'm humble. I don't think I was the best at necessarily those things. I don't remember. I don't remember. You seem fine with me, to me. I don't recall. But here's the thing, Ken. I had somebody come up at the 20 year reunion and share with me something that I had said back in high school. It's 20 years earlier or plus 20 years plus earlier. And it had really impacted them, I think in a negative way. And, and I, I think, and I hope I, I apologized, but the thing that stuck with me and now that's been almost 10 years later. Right. And I, like, I remember that moment, right. But I'm thinking, man, I said something that I think I was trying to make a joke, but it was taken as hurtful. And, for 20 over 20 years it stuck with this person and that is not good right and i and i caused that and that's that's not good so so i would i i try to minimize those those moments when that happened i i that that keeps me up a little bit at night like what did i say that might have been hurtful to somebody in the past in a way that they're still holding on to that that and I and you know I've had people hurt me probably people yeah. you know you know and well, at that age yeah you especially don't know. at that age especially at that who age they are. Yeah. absolutely and I've talked to other people who who have um you know have have similar regrets for lack of a better term you know that they would they wish they had maybe not said something or done something the worst part is that I honestly and I'm being so serious I can't remember they didn't tell you. No, no, they told me what oh, I said, okay. but I'm saying in general, oh, like yeah, gotcha. I don't, if, if they hadn't told me, I would not have remembered it. And I don't, re- and I didn't remember it then. Like I said, well, that sounds like something I might've said. Uh, I didn't say that to them because I didn't want to minimize what they were saying. But, um, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I don't remember this, but man, I really caused this person some, some pain. Yeah. Anyway. Definitely. So yeah, I try to minimize that. That'd be my advice to myself. Okay. Right on, right on. Uh, last one. What, uh, because I love music. Which song would you consider to be the song that best defines you? Like if you were making the soundtrack to your life, this is a hard one. I don't think I can. This answer is this so one. bad. I'm not. You know what? I'm going to totally punt on this one because I'm not. I I am not the music person that I know you are, and it's not that I don't enjoy music. It's that I enjoy it in the moment, and then I kind of let it go. And so I don't necessarily think that I've got something that is like my, you know my yeah, you know my song yeah, or whatever sure, no they worries. make they make we did i did some icebreaker thing years ago where a few years ago where they said like what's what would be your entrance song if you you know how the baseball players will come out on on up to bat and they'll have like oh, their song yeah. right like what's your entrance song and and it, for me that was so hard like i just i just don't connect with 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 music sure. that way so i don't know oh, i'm, no gonna, worries, I'm totally pa- um, give make it a pass on that one no worries all right uh let's do i come up with a another question oh, i forced it oh no no but hey one thing i want to clarify uh from my interview with steve barry yeah because it was um we were talking about mother hicks and i was like wasn't tom the lead in that and then later after we talked about it you had said that you were in a show at, uh, Monica directed at Incarnate Ward. Yeah, so so Monica left, uh, if, I, if memory serves, and I, I think this is different than what Steve said, slightly, but I think Monica went straight to Incarnate Ward. I think Steve had her somewhere in between. 
in maybe the the 93 94 year she uh-huh. was at incarnate word and she called um a group of us back to aud- uh, guys only guys because she was at an all girls yeah, yeah. school and and to audition for the show people she knew were still in town that she had had some experience with i guess i'm, I'm sure there were other you know factors that she put into play and we went through the audition everything else but so i had done that show and um already at at central and played i don't remember <laughs> get the book where's the book that's okay played well, like one of the yeah, yeah. like a secondary part yeah. uh i want to say i'm trying to remember so that was you know who i played i think i played Josiah ward I think that was the character. That sounds familiar. And if memory serves, then there was, yeah, because um, Jenny Alzheimer was the little girl in that, who played that at Central. Okay. was the, She played yeah. the girl, the little girl role. She was a little shorter, so it's, you know. And uh, then, and now I'm blanking, I feel so bad. The 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 woman who played, or girl, you know, girl who played the mother across from my, me being, but we were like adopted parents to <laughs> Jenny's character. And we had a scene where uh, we were eating dinner, and I don't know who was on stage crew, but they were awesome because we would always have during the show nights. It was always KFC, <laughs> and it was like good, like it was like they just got it fresh because we would have. There was a point where she had to eat a bite of it. They dropped it fresh for you, and then yeah, Drop she had to, fresh. she eat a she ate a bite, and she started talking, and I scolded her saying, "Don't eat with your mouth full." And she spits the food back into her hand <laughs> to finish yeah. the sentence, and then I yell at her again. Don't and, eat with your mouth full. Yeah. So anyway, I it, it, the, I hope I got that. Sh- I hope that's the right show. But then I so then I played the the, the James played the the lead in that role. Yeah. The lead male. Yeah. And then I played that same part that he had played uh, at Incarnate Word, which was a um, a deaf character. So yes, we had to learn right. some sign language and Fantastic. and that kind of thing, which was interesting and a lot of yeah. a lot of fun. And so I would go into it was it was my only time I maybe did something slightly method where I would go in for a period of time yeah. when we got close to showtime and I would go in and I wouldn't talk at all and I would just sign and I learned extra signs oh, to try awesome. to communicate and uh, try to muddle my way through stuff and then I would get in my car and just jam out uh, afterwards because it was so but you don't know what music you jammed out to <laughs> whatever was really big in the in ninety four in ninety four <laughs> maybe late ninety three yeah all right. Cool. Well, good. I just want, I just had to prove that I, because uh, when I was like, wasn't Tom the lead in that? It's like, oh, James. And I thought, how did I come up with that? But I just misremembered. James and I did a lot of, he and I were both also in Diviners together. Nice. As one, as two yeah. of kind of the, I'd say like two of the male leads and there were female leads, of course, but um, he and I did a couple of shows together and I just had a, he's so, he was so good and, yeah, absolutely. and, and just really enjoyed um, doing shows with him amongst a lot well really i i can't i couldn't name anybody that i didn't have a great experience with doing a show so. yeah we had a, such, such a talented group yeah great cool great well good talking to you tom proud of you you're doing great work and uh i, I just, appreciate the opportunity to just chat with you this is fun absolutely yeah it's good so yeah let's well, just every time we talk let's just record it absolutely <laughs> and then i just do the editing i love the recording part i'll just and then in 20 years we'll come up and i'll be like hey look i've got all these old conversations from the years there you go yeah all right man super proud of you buddy and i can't wait to see you know what the next 20 years what what uh what you come up with what you write what you create and you know just what you do in your life time will tell 